Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows that if you find a man dressed as Santa Claus in your basement, you need to do a little bit more investigative digging before you decide he's real. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Or it's the start of a very interesting video on the internet for private times. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh, something about chimneys and stockings and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, uh, celebrating its 35th anniversary this year is the Christmas Star, which was a made-for-TV Disney, I think, an ABC Oh, it was made-for-TV? My... Yes. Yeah. Which, surprisingly high production value for a made-for-TV movie, I yeah, thought. Yeah. Like, was it like a World of Disney? Uh so I don't, I think it, it was a Sunday night movie, which makes me think ABC and not Disney Channel. I don't think, no, because not, not Disney Channel. There was the world of Disney was a thing that they did. That's how they made a lot of movies for a long time. It was that called was, like the wonderful the world of Disney. Stuff. Right. It aired on ABC is what I'm saying. Oh, that, I didn't know that was on ABC. I didn't know what channel that was on. Yes. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was, it was like, <laughs> I was like, we basically were going, I was like, yeah, it's a Hershey bar. And you're like, right. But it was at a chocolate bar. And I'm like, yes, because it yes. was a Hershey bar. And then you were like, right. But I didn't like, know. I didn't. For some reason, I yes. thought, yeah. um, I would have thought that would have been a Disney the channel ABC thing. ABC and Disney, the ABC Disney partnership lasted longer and was like, well, before they owned ABC, they had like a. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there might've been another network in there. Um, this is like an area of Disney, uh, minutiae that my brain doesn't retain but there was like a prime time tv deal where like that's where they aired like the the disneyland opening special in the 50s and like a lot mm. of stuff like that but then later stuff like this you know family family content uh we got ed asner who just passed away recently so uh-huh. we're, we're doing this for for uh for ed asner's uh debt de- the death celebration's kind of weird, but uh, we were we were thinking about Ed Asner, yeah, because he he died right before that Muppet thing, because that was his last thing. What Muppet thing? He's in Muppet Haunted Mansion for like ten seconds. He has oh, is no he one of the go- one of the busts? Uh, he's one of the ghosts in the graveyard. Okay, yeah, that that sequence where they were like, we're gonna put fifteen yeah. people here, and if you blink, you missed him. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Ed Asner like pops up, makes a funny face, and then like disappears. He never, he has no dialogue. He doesn't really do anything, but he just was like in there. Uh, anyway, we watched Ed Asner's The Christmas Star. So you know what that means. On today's episode, the role of Andrew doing an impression of Doc Brown from Back to the Future will be played by Trip Lano because he has sort of a throat thing going on and doesn't feel up to it. <clears throat> we gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your Christmas ripoff. Something's gotta be done about your Christmas ripoff. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. You're going to see some serious shit. It's, it's harder on the throat than, than yeah, you might think. It is. And you do it better than I do. Also, my original was boring ass Christmas ripoff. I want to put that oh, on the I'm record. I'm sorry. I do apologize. It was not editorializing. It was genuine forgetfulness. <laughs> You're boring ass Christmas ripoff. There we go.
um, which you're going to have to explain to me, but I'm I'm willing to wait for we'll, it. We'll, uh, we'll go on the journey together because it was, uh, let's see, seven notes in that I wrote, this is a ripoff of blank. <laughs> and then it just kept confirming okay. it until I was like, I'm in it. I'm watching this now and I'm mad. Interesting. Because I, I was, I had a, I think a different interpretation, but that's fine. Uh, that's always a good thing. Or not always a good thing, but always an interesting uh, thing to talk about anyway. So Ed Asner is eight months, I want to say, from getting out of prison. I think so. He also looks when like we, Bob start... Hoskins in Hook in this movie. He does look like Bob Hoskins in Hook. Yeah. Um, so he's he's uh, he's close to the end of his sentence. He's listening to an older man in the prison tell a story about uh, the Christmas star. And he's explaining not a thing, this, you know. Not a thing that I'm aware of. However, I have heard the phrase before, and I'm pretty sure it's like a loose Christianity thing. Like I think maybe the I Christmas mean, star helped. A lot of wise things. <laughs> a lot of things can be used with can be stuck with that label at this time of year. Well, just, well, as you as you are well aware, most things that are air quotes Christian tradition are just repurposed pagan rituals that they were like we came in. We learned what the locals did. We got leftover uh, pagan stock that we're going to rebrand. Uh-huh. Exactly. They came in. They're like, all y'all are pagans. What do you celebrate? And they're like, oh, interesting. That's exactly what we celebrate. But the story is different. And it's like, well, is that true? No, you made that up just then. Uh, so I think there's like... Bastards. I've always thought the Christmas... I've heard, I've heard the phrase Christmas star, I should say. I feel, like, I feel like the Christmas star comes up in One Magic Christmas. Oh, does it? Is that what the... Was yeah, that what the, I just the rewatched are? it. It might be, but so I was like, oh, is this like a three wise men thing? Someone out there is like furiously tweeting, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm just saying, I think there's like a loose religious affiliation with this idea. Huh? Yeah. Cause because certainly of, in this movie, it's like vaguely religious, religious. It's a thing in this movie. They're like, it's the legend <laughs> of the Christmas star. And they tell some like Greek style myth about what the Christmas, about like evergreen trees and the Christmas star. And I was like. I've always like Christmas star to me is like what you put on top of the tree. Like that's my sure, only connection yeah. to Christmas star. Right. But that's also part of why I think maybe it's a Christianity thing. Cause like angel or Christmas star, like, is that a thing? I don't know. Oh, maybe one year I just briefly put up a framed photo of Betty Davis as the star on my tree. So <laughs> I have a plush dog from a video game that my fiance and I like to play. So, uh, he's your star uh, on the tree. Uh huh. We have a we have a plush Kevin from Overcooked wearing a Santa hat. It was like a limited. There's a, a company that makes like plushes of the Overcooked characters, and Kevin with a Santa hat was like a limited Christmas thing. And I was like, I want to buy this for the top of the tree. And she was like, I Yeah, love that's that. a cool idea. Yeah. So he's up there, looking looking down over our uh, video game performance and judging silently. Uh, so anyway, he's he's getting out soon. He's like, Ah, your Christmas star stuff's a bunch of bullshit. And he he doesn't say bullshit. It's a family movie. It aired on Disney something or other. But uh, he he marches away, and the guy's like, You'll be sorry one day. You'll need the Christmas star. And you won't know what to do without it. It's it's just weird because also like if he's this close to parole and he doesn't seem to be like he's not like um Andy Dufresne, uh, Angelina Jolie's oh. uh, father in Billy that Bob movie Thornton. about the train. Oh, oh, her father, not her once husband. I said Billy Bob Thornton. John Voight. No, 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 no. Her father. Runaway Train, I believe. Is runaway Train. Like, he's not like a John Voight and Runaway Train type where he, like, clearly the he's like the prison warden's like, you, and, like, shakes his fist. He just seems like he's almost done right, with his right. time. Like, he doesn't seem... Just, like, wait it out, dude. It's a few more months. It's not like you just got there. 
Well, that's that's what happens. So he's like, ah, eight more months, and I get out of this place. And then he sees on the TV that the Christmas decorations where he stashed his money are getting sold. Like, oh, that's okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's I like. Didn't you missed a, fully you missed a that... fundamental piece there? Yeah. I like. Well, he he does it later, and I was like, oh, we must be, hide something in the reindeer. I didn't get that that was the impetus for him leaving. So this movie is very boring, by the way, y'all. So like. <laughs> It's not very good. Uh, it's it's a long ninety four minute movie, which is which is somehow possible. It feels like it should have been an hour, like like oh it, yeah, like this, this it should have been, been an hour and then ninety minutes with commercials. No, no, no. That's we could have done this in a forty two fit into an hour time slot. We did not need to. Do, we could have done this in half the time. Is what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, but they would never do that. Well, they did like Mr. Boogity and those kind of specials in the Wonderful World of Disney. Those are all an hour. Were those Wonderful World and not Disney Channel? Because apparently, a thing that I didn't realize, Disney Channel's claim to fame was that they didn't have advertising. But they had commercial breaks. Right. Only for other... Yes. It was for other stuff on their network. Because their thing... I remember... I saw something that was like, we never never air commercials. Or like, we never advertise. And I was like, well, that's not true. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. It was always for other things it was like right. you should keep watching this channel that's what the commercial right. breaks were or go to I disney that, world yeah arguably. i was gonna say i think the other one is like yeah i was gonna say the other one is like come spend a lot of money at our theme parks i'm not sure if the like mr boogity stuff was disney or on the abc stuff my i thought it was more that aired on like abc but they would do like maybe two of them in a two-hour block so you'd get two short things mm. instead of one feature well, thing. because um DCOMs are all know. anyway. Ed Asner, I think DCOMs are all like ninety, like just under ninety. Right. I'm not talking about Disney Channel original movies. I'm talking about the. I know the that, but I was just sort like of. Mr. That's my frame of yeah. reference for Disney Disney TV films. Right. Right. So they have like another category, which is like one-off, forty-five-minute type, you know, one-hour TV length with commercials things. So I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, Ed Asner's tinkering away in a workshop. Yeah, and on the t- on the TV, they're like the famous long-serving Christmas decorations at blah 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 department store are going away Macy's. for good. Yes, at Schmacy's are going away for good. Yeah, it was like these decorations. These it's it's a they keep calling it Santa's throne, which like ostensibly that's what Santa sits on. It's just weird to hear it called that. Yeah, because uh, like throne just has such a like I don't know a weird connotation to it that santa santa sitting on a throne just seems weird but they're like these the throne and decorations are uh, over a hundred years old but they're gonna get auctioned off so that we can have uh christmas robot land next year and i was like that's the best you could think of yeah it's like the store is going out of business like there's but it's not they're just changing i think they're just i think no no no, i'm saying I'm saying the better plot is the store oh, yes. is going out of business. Yeah, Mr. Whatever has died, and therefore the store will be sold off. Yeah, like, a, like a, I'm trying to think of like a fake Radio Shack. Like, it could be like Duncan's like a, Toy Store a, and Home the Tech Alone Barn too. Christmas next year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's like you know, it's Duncan's Toy Barn or whatever it's called. Or it's not Duncan's Toy, toy Chest. Barn is, chest, yeah. Uh, toy Barn is Toy Story Two. You're thinking of Al's Toy Barn and yes, Duncan's yes. Toy Chest. Yes, Toy Story Two. Anyway, um, uh, by the way, I rewatched that. I went to New York a few weeks ago just for a little day trip on the train, little fancy lad, and uh, 
uh, we rewatched that the night before and mm-hmm. I totally see why you had in your head that Mr. Duncan was a ghost because yeah. because like he is he I he firmly is not a ghost it, like but I the scene that you remember the, that made you think he was a ghost and that's what you remember from the movie he like talks to Macaulay Culkin he gives him the turtle doves Macaulay and then there's a takes, portrait of him yes and Macaulay takes like two steps and he looks at this portrait and then he's like huh and he turns around and Mr. Duncan is gone so I totally see that but earlier Mr. Duncan is like a background person like checking people out so like okay. it would be a, it would be weird for him to be a ghost and he, he does interact also, with the world <laughs> yeah he's like he he's there in the space uh but yeah, um, yeah I, my brain always thinks he's dead yeah so anyway, there's a ticking clock here. Ed Asner's like, oh, crap. Like, I hid money in that reindeer. And if I don't get to the reindeer, you know, uh, all hell's, you know, my money's gone forever. Like, how am I ever going to figure out what happened to those reindeer? Yeah. So it's an interesting thing that they're like, okay, Although you have to They say they're being prison. auctioned off. So, like, theoretically, right. we could pull a Brady Bunch sequel and he could just go to the auction. Well, he can't go to the auction because he's in prison. <laughs> So he well, has to bust out either way. But I mean, like, the fact that he's, like, running, like, he, it could also have been he gets to the, he has to go to the auction. Yeah, but then he has to come up with money. So I feel like this is No, the, the money is in the items you're buying. And if right. you know you have $5 million stuffed away in a plastic horse, bid 100000 and be like, thank you, reach in your horse, here's the money to pay for it. <laughs> I feel like if you reached into the horse in public reindeer, by the way, and we're like, ah, here's the here's the quarter million dollars I spent on this. They'd be like, how did you know there was five million dollars in there? And also, wasn't five doesn't million matter. Dollars- it's mine now, sucker. Wasn't five million dollars stolen from this department store exactly 15 years ago? Meep, meep. And then he just runs away. Well, realistically, more like 17 years ago, given how the wheels of justice turned in this country. But, yeah. you know, something like that. Uh but anyway, he, th- my other, th- there's a few like really bizarre lines that really hooked me here, which I feel is your, your marker of it being a made for TV movie. And the one guy's like, put on Wheel of Fortune. My dude, it is like 11 a.m. What, where, where do you live and what time does Wheel air? Because Wheel is a nighttime show where I come from. Is it not a, I thought, I thought Wheel was one of those random daytime ones, like when you were homesick. No, Wheel is like right before Jeopardy or right after Jeopardy, depending on your market. But it's like hmm. a seven to six to seven, seven to eight situation. I don't have real TV anymore, so my whole frame of reference is just gone. Ditto, but I do have an antenna, so sometimes I watch. You know, I watch a little bit of over the air stuff occasionally. Hmm. Sometimes I like to see what what the uh, it's what the common folk watch. Well, uh, I like to put it on at like one in the morning because. I, when you have an antenna, you get all these weird like substations from the major broadcasters. So it's okay. like like you're like a local Fox affiliate kind of thing, right? But like the say the local Fox affiliate, they might have three channels, right? And one is oh. one is Fox, one is just weather, and then one is like weird shit. And so you'll get I, you'll get like a lot of Star Trek the original series airing at one in the morning <laughs> sometimes, or like uh, a Quantum Leap, for example, but just like okay. weird old TV. Uh, which is occasionally I'll, you know, throw on for short bursts. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, sir, Wheel is a nighttime show. I mean, now, now, look, it's a syndicated program. It airs at different times in different markets. But for my, if you're if you're out there and you're like, no, Wheel of Fortune's a 1 p.m. show where I live and Jeopardy is too, let us know because I would like to know. Uh, that's interesting to me. But from everywhere I've ever lived on the East Coast exclusively, uh, it's a nighttime program. Yeah. The other guy says People's Court, I think. Yes, which that one is like, yeah, that's a daytime show. Uh, so he's like, oh no, I got to bust out and get to these reindeer. 
we click forward a day and there's this group of volunteers dressed in, I thought it was old timey Christmas clothes. And then I was like, maybe it's just old lady clothes. Cause it's all old ladies. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they were supposed to be like Dickensy carolers kind of thing. <clears throat> or because they call the guy brother something, which makes me think like, Oh, are they nuns? Or I, think they they're n- I think they're not. I think they are nuns. Cause uh, he, Santa is just walking across the, like the yard. Yeah willy-nilly and i'm like there's no way that like you got that confused the yard can't like there's no way that's the entrance and then you walk across the yard to get to the prison like that's a very poor design if that is how it's done well also it's like when you visit a prison they are extremely extremely cautious about where you are and they know where you are at all times it's not like you go oh i need to use the bathroom they're like sure it's three rights and then a left like someone would escort you to it but that's not how movies work right right But he's, like, walking down the hallway, basically whistling, like... It also looks like Eastern State Penitentiary now. It does. This hallway. It's, like, cracked paint and, like, ceiling tiles missing. My hunch is it is a... It probably wasn't Eastern State Penitentiary, but it was probably a similarly aged prison that was out of commission. Like, this happens a lot. They shoot at them, like, right before they tear them down or when they're sitting idle. Um, So he's handing out presents from the bag, and... uh, I wish that we had a sponsor for this episode because it would have been a, this would be great because my question was what do you think is in the gifts that he's handing them? Okay, I think it's Jesus uh, saves T-shirts because they're kind of they're kind of squishy looking and they're about so, the size of a folded T-shirt. So not to be like Mister Know It All, but I don't think you can give a T-shirt to a person in prison. I don't think they, they have clothes. I don't know that you get prison issued clothing, so it's but, like probably maybe, a consumable like, item. Could you? But couldn't you wear, like, an undershirt under your prison? Is that a thing? I, I guess maybe, but as far as I'm aware, they that's not, like, a thing. But maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I'm not I'm not a complete expert on this topic. I was going to guess food items. I was thinking, like, uh, a couple of ramen packets in there. Huh. I, don't, I was just going based on, like, the when he picks them up, they have that sort of flimsy, squishy quality of a folded mm. T-shirt with no box. You, you know, I'm going to change my answer then. Uh, it's Twizzlers. I mean, I'm not mad about that. <laughs> it's a it's a package of Twizzlers. It's like one of my top movie slash beach candies. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, I'm a once a year Twizzlers person. Uh, it's like that's exactly as much Twizzler as I want in my life. So the classic red Twizzlers, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, movies and beach. Um, sure. But there are these. They're like stuffed Twizzlers. They have like a core okay. in them. I know what you're talking about, and I have never had it because it's like the very idea of what you're describing. No, they are. Th- they're the best Twizzler, like, like best can- one of my favorite candies. Are they so, in the vein of like a gummy candy? No, not at all, because I hate gummies. Okay. okay, so it's sort of like um, if you have you ever had like maybe even on the beach or like if you left like Twizzlers in your car on a hot day and then you go to take a bite and it's just like really soft, but it's still got the like sure, yeah, it's not like goop in your mouth, but it's just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. very soft. That's what it is. So the, the regular Twizzler outside is still got that, that chewiness to it and the pull, but the inside is just kind of like squishier. Mm. But it's, uh, they're called sour, but they're not sour at all. They're just like kind of tangy. It's like okay. a lemon. It's red and yellow. It's lemon and cherry, I think. Okay. I will always buy them because I, what happened was the first year I saw them, I thought they were like a summer item. And I was like, oh, these are going to go away forever. I'm going to buy like three bags. And then they just sure. stayed around. Normally, oh. that doesn't happen. So right. they are like my all-time favorite candy. Wow. Like okay. top five. Top five favorite candies when I want well, something like some fruity. Next, you should bring some next time I'm going to see you. Yeah. I brought them to the beach before, 
and I try to be like, hey, everyone, you should try these candies. Well, you gave a much better uh, you gave a much better spiel right here than you did then, because I remember looking at them and being like, that looks like it's so I don't like gummy, but I do like a Sour Patch Kid, which is that's more my like exact a thing. Fruit gummy snack. worms and gummy bears can get the fuck out. But a Sour Patch yeah. Kid, hang out with me. Like I like a fruit snack. I don't I don't like I don't like a gummy is the thing. Yep. And, and the, uh, the Sour Patch Kids, I feel like are a gummy or uh, sorry, are more like a fruit snack. Are more like a, yeah, they're more that fruit snack consistency for sure. While we're making candy hot takes, I bought red vines for the first time during quarantine because I was like, well, I've never had them before, right? And I was like, maybe I like these, you know? I've never had it. Truly the worst candy I've ever had. It tastes like like those wax lips. Yes, it's It's so good. It's like long wax lips. (laughs) I could not stop laughing when I took a big big honk and chew of it. And I was like, I started cackling. And and it was just like, this tastes exactly like the wax lips. I remember this flavor like so distinctly. That like sort of cherry strawberry. Yeah, it's like a minty cherry. Ugh. Ugh, God. But like, it's not that, but it's like those two, th- it's like, it has elements of both of those things. Like it's not minty in the traditional sense. And that, but that's that texture why was... is so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But the only thing that Red Vine has going for it over Twizzler is they're way better for biting a hole and drinking through. For straws. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They must have changed production because I feel like when I was younger, I was way easier to get to do yep. Diet I can't do it Diet Coke. Yeah. No, they're all squished up now. Yeah. So anyway, that was a 10 minute uh, sidebar about Twizzlers because this movie is not very good. I mean, if you if you if you if Patreon people want to hear a podcast about our favorite candies. I feel like uh, we could do like a, a Q&A episode talk about like movie candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Movie snacks, movie candy. So uh, he he almost screws up sneaking out. He puts on the Santa suit. And then he's like, oh, I'm out of presents. I got to go back to the car. And the nuns are like, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> And he he, uh, he goes to like he goes strolls to the front door of the prison. The guy goes to let him out, the guard, and he's like, "See you later, Freddy." And the guy's like, "Wait, how do you know my name?" And he's like, "Well, I'm Santa Claus, of course." Ho, 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 ho. And Freddy's like, "Oh, that checks out." And I'm like, "Freddy, come on!" Yeah, yeah Freddy, you you fucked up. And so he escapes, uh, and then they cut to this small town, and this well, is wait, where no. Pause because first we get like an app. You know exactly what movie you're in. I've talked before about the whoa as the indicator of of the kid comedy, mm-hmm. but another indicator of kid comedy. This movie has two of the strong factors of of silly kid comedy. You got a guy tied up in funny underwear jumping up and down. Yeah, he's doing the hop along. Yeah, he's like he stole my Santa suit. And this is where I wrote. This movie is whistle down the wind, isn't it? So you're going to have to go ahead. Oh, I know. And, uh, I know. Explain, explain what whistle down the wind is. So whistle down the wind is a novel written by Haley Mills' father that was turned into a movie that she starred in the same year she did The Parent Trap, got her a BAFTA award, and then was turned into a musical by that hack, Andrew Lloyd Webber. And <laughs> the musical is what I saw because uh, our older brother would take me to musicals for my birthday. And one Older. year, what did I say? Old. <laughs> oh, no, no, I said, did I say oldest? Okay. I, I said older I thought, or oldest. Okay, I thought you just, so maybe this was my headphones, but it just came through as my old brother. And I was like, that's not right. <laughs> no, that's, my old that's, brother. That's, that implies a weird thing that yeah. he was like, he, he was my brother and now he's not. No, he's not dead true. to me. I, I couldn't think, I was like, there's not a lot coming through to Philly this year, one year. And my mom was like, and our, and our mom was like, 
hey, this is an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. And I was like, just starting to not like him, but I was like, whatever, it's it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be commercial and whatever. The, Gig and I have seen six musicals at this point together. Mm-hmm. It was like this a is, Christmas thing. He would get you one for Christmas. Yeah, or for birthday my birthday or, or Christmas. Like yeah. This is the first time that we ever looked at each other before intermission and was like, do we stay? <laughs> did you? No. Yes, we did. We did. Okay. I wish I hadn't, but I now know the ending. So Whistle Down the Wind is this story, but if you replace Santa with Jesus. So the guy breaks out of prison and then pretends to be Jesus. So I think in that one, he doesn't he doesn't pretend. The kids think he's Jesus and he doesn't correct them. Which so, is basically what happens here. Yeah. So he shows up in, in Wizard on the Wind. The like convict goes to this barn and the kids are like, you're Jesus. And he's like, sure I am. And then all the kids in town are like, we know you have Jesus in your barn. We want to see him. And so he's like just talking to the kids and he's not like trying to do anything. He's just like hiding out to like let the heat die down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the parents catch wind of it. And they like they're like, well, clearly this isn't Jesus. And so it becomes this allegory in the in the whistle on the wind that like the parents are like cynical and they're like, that can't be Jesus. And the children are like <laughs> optimistic and like it's totally Jesus. And then in in the movie, which I didn't know had a different ending than the musical, because the musical ends with a barn fire and uh all the kids surround the barn so the parents can't so the adults can't get in, and then the barn catches fire. And the oldest daughter who is falling in love with Jesus gets pushed out of the barn and the barn burns down and then she goes in and it's empty. He's, he disappeared. And she's like, it was Jesus or something. <laughs> the movie apparently ends with him getting handcuffed and taken away. And she's like, he'll be back. Jesus will be back. It's deeply unsatisfying. <laughs> that's, ex- that's exactly this movie. It's this like movie. Exactly this movie. Yeah, no, it's exactly this movie. And like, I, I, that's, I, saw, I was like, hang on. We're going to get whistled down the wind, but with Santa. And I'm not happy about it because I hate this. <laughs> and that's what we fucking got. It totally is this. It totally is. And also, it, I will say, in defense of those children, they're children. So obviously very dumb, as all children are, myself included. And uh, he was staying in the Jesus suite. He was. He was. And so, to, so be, these, to be fair to these children, case. he is dressed like Santa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do like that we get uh, Santa Claus is coming to town by the crystals. I'd love that version from the uh, murderers uh, Christmas collection. A Christmas? No, it's called a Christmas, Christmas gift to you from a murderer. Okay, sorry. Uh, it was it was kind of funny. I was like, "Ooh, is this the Ronettes?" And I googled it, and I was like, "No, it's the Crystals." And I was like, "I have made this exact mistake. I'm pretty sure on the podcast before." Yeah, and I was like trying to remember what it was that I screwed up those two. So bands. the Crystals have a sharper sound to their voice. They do, I, as soon as I played it, I was like, "Okay, I get the." And the Ronettes have like a smoother, like velvety sound. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I was I, I was looking this movie up, like doing some research. There's not a ton about this. this there's not. Ma- it doesn't even have Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, but it has like a wikia, like a Disney sub, oh. you know, those the thing. Ooh, that's like, well, a let, let, <laughs> dangerous rabbit hole. I was like, let me let me check this out. And it was funny, there was a single comment on it from December of last year, and the person was like, All right, I watched this on Disney Plus, and I swear when we watched this on TV when I was a kid, it was Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is coming to town, but now it's the Crystals. Does anybody have any idea? And I was like, huh, can I find any information? And of course, there isn't any. No. But it's like, what an interesting swap that would be if it's more expensive to license the novelty Christmas song from Bruce Springsteen than from the Phil Spector collection. 
Huh. I don't know. Because those songs are in a lot of movies, so maybe they are cheap. Yeah, I guess you're right. And he's, I mean, he's a, a murderer and dead. Uh, I think he's dead, right? Didn't he die? I think uh-huh. he died. Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, you're right. It might have just been he was willing to license it out for cheap. Yeah. Also, we complain a lot about opening titles <clears throat> in our movies that just like are stagnant and boring and nothing. Right. This is how you do good opening titles because it's B-roll of the town and the Christmas parade. And yep. it's like, look how fun, how much fun Christmas is. It's Christmas time. You set the table. Yeah. Um, we get some really shitty kids who are like harassing Santa. Well, only one kid is shitty. The bully kid. Yeah, but he's like the leader of a bunch of kids. So you, I assumed they were all shitty kids. Oh, I didn't catch that. He, I, he, I thought he was just like the bully because he well, like okay. rips Santa's the- beard off and runs away. He was the tall one, and he was in front of the triangle. That's <laughs> they were true. Kinda doing, they were kind of doing a flying V of bullying. Yeah, fair. So I was like, okay, this is like a gang of street urchins. <laughs> it's not Fagin. <laughs> Fagin? Yeah, from Oliver. Oh, I didn't, I don't, I, I, if you had said, they're not Oliver, I'd have been like, haha, yes, but you named any other character from Oliver. Fagin, so Fagin is the leader. Whoosh. Fagin's the one who, like, command. he's the leader of all the kid gang. Can I tell you something? I'm like you know, 85- Anything about I'm, Oliver? I'm like 85% sure I've never seen Oliver or the animated Oliver with John Travolta. Is it John Travolta? No, it's not John Travolta. Billy it's Billy Joel. Joel. It's okay, Billy, Joel. Billy Joel. Oliver and Billy Company. Joel. Yeah. I mean, you, you can get the, the gist of it. I mean, that's like, I know, please, sir, I want some more, but that's the extent of it. Yeah, and then there's a song, um... Uh, Nancy sings a song that's really pretty, and I can't remember what it's called in the musical. So right after this, the 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 kid goes into the office of this old man who's miserable. And this point, I'm like, since I don't know what "Whistle Down the Wind" is, like the rest of the people listening to this podcast, like most people, yeah. uh, There's this like miserly old man who's got a you know a tiny little office, and he's like, "You can't have a dog in here." And he picks up the phone, and it's like, "Boop boop boop, get me the pound." It's his son. Yes, yes, yes. We know that after this, but it was like a wild escalation to a No, no, no. It, we knew coming into it because he says dad. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because So what happens is the bully rips off Santa's beard and runs away. And then the short protagonist kid he was next to runs to his parents and is like, Mom, Johnny ripped the beard off Santa. And his mom goes, why are you always concerned with what Johnny is doing? He has le- He's less fortunate than you. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> If his yeah. dad is your landlord and kicking you out of your house, that is not less He's fortunate n- in my book. He, the landlord is never less fortunate than the tenant. Landlords are crooks. The landlord owns the building. Like, what are you talking about? Less fortunate. He's, the boy is less fortunate because his dad's a shithead. Like, what are you talking about? But it, that's just such a, it, that is a very weird concept to tell a child. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He's richer than you, but you have a loving family. So yes. he's going to grow up with a lot of resentment and daddy issues someday. Yes. Yes. Also, his dad seems like the type of rich person who'll be like, you're not getting any help from me. I pulled myself up from my bootstraps made of my father's money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays the, the shitty landlord is a character from The Star father Trek? of Franklin the turtle. <laughs> is that right? No, he just looks like a turtle. Oh, well, he plays... So he's a character on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I have never watched. However, if I say to you Star Trek, I'm guessing you come up with, like, three things in your head. One is... 
I see uh, uh, the Vulcans. I see okay. the uh, the Klingons. Are they the uh-huh. ones with the foreheads? Uh huh. And then I get Whoopi Goldberg. Okay, so Data doesn't come up for you. The the robot oh the robot guy with all white. Okay, so adjacent to Data is a guy whose face looks like a mask with no features. He's a changeling. Oh, like a like a Michael Myers mask. It's akin to a Michael Myers mask, but like the nose is more pronounced. It's like as if you took a human face and smoothed everything out, like in sort of an unnatural way. So okay. He's a, he, so he played this character that ran for, I think, most of Deep Space Nine. If I if you if I pulled up a picture of it, you'd probably go like, oh, I kind of know what that is. So Maybe. anyway, that's that's what this guy is from. So we cut to the new. We cut to the people watching. I think it's the Billy and his family, the the protagonist kids, watching the news, and they're. It's doing a very a news- Pawnee news delivery. Yes, yes, but especially because they're doing a they're doing a story about this the you know the fact that uh, Ed Asner has escaped from prison, which like you'd think would be a kind of a serious thing, and the woman's like, that sound you hear on your roof uh, coming down your chimney this year might not be Santa Claus at all. It might be an escaped criminal from the blah 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 penitentiary. So and so has escaped. And, and sources say he did not escape by reindeer. Yeah, this has been Joan Calamezzo. <laughs> just like what the fuck is happening here although also i just want to say i wish that we had a spinoff of of parks and rec called pawnee public access and it was just like purred happily and joan calamezzo and other news reporters doing like movie reviews of current movies or like sure yeah like hot topics occasionally you could bring in main cast members if you wanted amy poehler to like do a guest spot one week but like I would be fine with just like <laughs> Joan and Purd doing public access. I love them. Also, we have an, a, a really unusual thing spotted in this movie. It's a 1986 Brussels sprout. Yeah, it is. And no one, no kid. It's and it's not like a thing for the kids. Uh-huh. It's just a casual part of the of the, of the tablescape. Yeah. Also, the mom is dressed like the mom from a Christmas story for some reason. She totally is. I didn't put that together until you said it, but you're exactly right. I'm like, this movie is in the 80s. It's not in the 40s. Right, right. Yeah, the the, the house they live in is a 40s-style tenement. Mm-hmm. For sure. Apartment. It's very much yeah. like um, uh, Hey Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying it's, like, run down in the same way. Yeah. That, you know, okay. I don't remember the condition of the Hey Arnold house. It wasn't that run down, but I know what you mean. So the doorbell rings. They go outside, and there's a dog on the porch. And uh, the bully left the dog there so that he could have a, a nice home for Christmas. And we should also specify that this dog looks like he's 40, uh, has half his hair, and is yes. underfed and scraggly. Yes. Like, yeah. this is not like a cute new puppy. This is like... No. This is the dog... Like in, in Lady and the Tramp, there was the one dog that you see get taken away to get killed. That's what he looks like. He looks like that dog. There are people who seek to adopt dogs like this, and they are just like, my job is to just shepherd this thing into the next realm. And that's he's going to be here for like, seven more months, and if he's going to eat, and he's going to eat well, which is yeah. a, a noble effort. If that's how you want to, like, that's your way of doing good and make and balancing yeah. the scales. Power to you. But like, yeah. these kids should be aware that like this is not a spring chicken. Yeah, exactly. This is this is a dog bordering. It got both two to three paws in the grave. <laughs> yes. This is a dog that would eat at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Dinner. <laughs> yeah, Dinner at 2 p.m. With a coupon. Mm-hmm. Many and bowls it's soup. of soup. And it's just soup. <laughs> <laughs> the great Fred Gwynn shows up. 
always happy to see him. Uh, who is operating in a completely different movie. And I, I love when this happens with a character actor where they're but just like... But beyond that, the writing for him is a completely yes, yes. different movie. Like, yes, he yes. was given a different script and Absolutely. a different... Dir- like, everything about it. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, he he is in... He's dressed like he's a he's the lead in the Maltese Falcon. He's got, you know, the, the, the trench coat and the hat. And, like, you can see him chain... Like, he doesn't, but you can see him chain-smoking cigarettes and talking about Dane's I think he does smoke. Stuff. In this movie? I think he does. Oh, I don't remember any smoking. Uh, but it was anyway, the 80s. I, you could do whatever you wanted. No, I'm not I'm not saying on like, TV, he I wasn't mean. allowed. I wasn't saying he wasn't allowed to smoke. I was just saying I didn't. No, you could do whatever you want in pretty much any context. There were no, I know, no but rules. I, uh, but yeah, I just was like, <laughs> I could just picture him being like, this dame strolled into my office. Yeah, like... <laughs> He he works next. His office is next door to Bob Hoskins in a uh, Red Rabbit. Precisely, the, exactly, the light yes. comes through the blinds in his office. Yes, yeah, yeah. But his whole storyline and consistent jokes are: I'm an absent father and husband. Right. That's right. the joke every time. Yeah. And I was like, I w- what? I was like, surely we're never going to see his family in this movie. And then you do see his family in this movie. And it's like and really called away again. Yeah, it sucks. It's like a huge rubber. The end of this movie realistically is Fred Gwynn. Like, Coming home to an empty house because all the furniture has gone because his wife uh-huh. left. And then running his car in the garage until he goes night night. <laughs> like, or over is, a bridge. Yeah, this is not a happy ending for this man. He's he's miserable. The wife is pissed, and rightly so. And it's just like you ha- you have to have a job and a family. Like you have to do both of these things. This is what you've chosen to do with your life. Yeah, because like every time we cut to him, it's like, oh, I gotta catch this bastard. And like, I, do we ever find out what crime he actually committed? He was. Like, a we robber. know he right, but do we know like what he robbed? I don't know. Gotham National Bank. Well, it's just like, it, so... He was in Two Faces gang? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, so p- people out there are going to be, like, really aghast at this, maybe. But, like, I don't know. To me, robbing a bank, as long as you don't hurt anybody along the way, it's like a pretty victimless crime, right? Like, I agree. There's a bunch of insurance... Like, I'm not suggesting people go rob banks, but, like, on the grand scheme of things, like, if someone has robbed a bank, gotten caught, and is going to prison, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, they're probably not going to do that again, you know? Like, they... Yeah. They, and and also banks and corporations are monsters <laughs> but like beyond that it's like there's insurance of all types like nobody lost money on this deal like the money just disappeared and they kind of just replaced it because like they never found it so it's just like eh you know it's just no, there's like nothing no no harm no foul is sort of how i feel about it. but fred Gwynn is like desperate to capture this man and i was like yeah he was almost on parole like can't we just let this one go it's like yeah, let it slide eh, what's yeah, he gonna do like, he got out six months early who ultimately who gives a shit like what's the big deal if he robs another bank then do something right because all he does is get the money that he stole before which like again is already a bank. ghost it's, money now. Right, exactly. That money doesn't exist anymore. It's just extra. So I just, I don't know. I'm like watching this whole thing. I'm like, man, Fred Gwynn is like, let him go, right? Right, right. It's like the way Fred Gwynn pursues this man is as if he, Fred Gwynn is Bruce Wayne and this Ed <laughs> was the, the thug in Crime Alley who broke his mother's <laughs> pearl necklace. Paris. Yeah, and it's like he's, you know, Ed Asner catches up with Fred Gwynn and he like, 
pretends to throw up and he pulls a pearl out of his mouth and he's like, I kept this souvenir under my tongue <laughs> since I got put away, Gwyn. It's like, what? Who cares? Like, don't you have better? Sh- go hang out with your family. There's yeah, no go to your family. Who cares? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah, this is like such a low level crime. Uh, speaking of cri- speaking of criminals, we then cut to the landlord having a, an open open floor session to tell everyone they're being evicted because he's still in yes. the building. Because yes. landlords are crooks. <laughs> this dude is such trash. And I was like, okay, like clearly, it's funny that, again, whistle down the wind. I was like, oh, this is like super Scrooge. He's evicting the poor people a week before Christmas, and he's like, it's a day like any other day. I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen this before. Yeah, literally. But like, here's the thing. If I buy a building and I can't pay the mortgage or pay the bank, they take the building from me. If sure. a landlord buys a building, they should take the building from him. Like him, like if he can't pay his rent or his mortgage, that's his fault because he shouldn't have bought that building. Well, you if you were in that situation, you could try to sell your house. And if you were successful in doing it, you would like escape the situation you were in. Yeah. No, I'm saying you like if you owned a home and then you like lost your job and you're like, oh, God, I don't have any money. Like you could put your house up on the market and try to sell it and then theoretically use that money to pay off your mortgage. You just I know, but you would, I, I, you're exchanging a house for for debt in this in this instance. But yeah, but like it just to me, it's always like you made irresponsible decisions. That's then they take the house. But like if a like landlords, by definition, make irresponsible financial decisions because they buy things they can't afford and just hope people are going to show up and pay them money. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I like, I, I guess, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not like the landlord defender. I, you're, I, I'm not sure I follow you down the road you're walking specifically, but I get what you're saying. That's just my thought. I just, and I find it funny that like individuals, well, like, no human, like, okay, no, no, but very, very few regular people buy anything that they live in that they can actually afford. Like that's how mortgages work. Yeah, but you can pay your mortgage. Well, that's what he's doing. He's paying his mortgage because other people. But he pay can't him. afford it on his own. He needs people. He needs renters. I see. So you're saying that that if like, he can't afford should... it on his own, then maybe he shouldn't have made such a financially irresponsible decision. Sure. Yeah. I th- and the other thing that's weird is they make it seem like he has sold this building for like a great. It's like it seems like a gentrification situation. Yes. Where it's like like Starbucks bought this. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. Where it's like, you got a hot location, we want to turn it into, you know, a, a nightclub condos. slash Starbucks. Yeah, condos, whatever. That kind of thing. But it's never really explained. He just, he sold it and then yes. unsold it. Yes. It's, it, and also, he is 100% operating a slum because the, during this meeting, the dad is like, hey, Billy, go down the basement and kick the boiler and throw some more wood in it, which is presumably the heat for the whole building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like the tenants are just charged with maintaining this boiler. Cool. I think we we should have we should have building mutinied. Yeah, for sure. They should have they should have just thrown this guy off the top of the building. Who would have or complained? throw him in the boiler? Okay, that's a little bit harder to manage. I mean, it's <laughs> all the saying, evidence is gone. If if you've got a mob, you know, whatever, you throw him off the top of the building, and everybody starts talking about how he was depressed. Like you get away with this a little better. Is all I saw him drinking earlier. Yeah, exactly. So you, you just you know you make the you make the the fake suicide of of this evil landlord. So you turn this into an Agatha Christie novel, an Agatha yes, Christie yes. story. I won't the say which is, one because I don't want to spoil. The problem is it really screws you up though because. Um, then, uh, then, then there's no one that owns the building, and then you might get kicked out anyway. But so can't they really fake? But do, then you can fake a will that says I will the building to my tenants. 
Yeah, I feel like you're better off disappearing him. My like, dad told me he was going to give them. It was a Christmas gift. So you you disappear the landlord, but you don't let it be known for a long time. You try to keep that a secret. Like you're still cutting the checks. They're just not getting cashed. Right. And you're well, like, your bank would know that the money wasn't going anywhere. Right. Well, the, ba- sure. the bank would realize that there was no, the money wasn't being withdrawn. OK, so. All right. Here's the new plan. You with you say the landlord is requiring cash payments now. So you withdraw the money from the bank on a monthly basis into cash. Use that cash to do your spending. You're not and, paying any money in rent, but you're saving you, other money. And then you you do like a I'm gonna give my money to you so you can cash it. And then so everyone's like handing the money so they're like, here's my paycheck. Oh, see, I was just gonna do like you withdraw your, you know, whatever it costs. Yeah, but then you run into the risk of every server ever where you just have a stack of cash that is not safe. Yeah, yeah, that is a problem. Okay, well everybody chips in on a big vault, maybe. Okay. I like that idea. So then you're, you know, you're, you're, you got a vault and you're all, you got, you know, people have like little bags of money in the vault. I guess you have to trust each other a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going in on this murder plan, maybe, maybe there's a vault with sub vaults. So it's like, there's like drawers with a lock inside a bigger lock, you know, like a, like a a safety deposit box system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm here for this. So it's like, you have your key and you open your thing, you get your drawer money out. And just like each month, you take your rent money in cash, put it in there, and you just use that for your monthly expenses, your groceries, your gas, et cetera, et cetera. I like this. I feel like this is a this is a functional plan now. I like this much better than the movie we watched. <laughs> Except for the part where there's a small child who's now homeless. That part you'd have to He's figure out. He's not homeless. He can live there. Well, okay. This would be a feral child. Is the Like, you got to give... Somebody has to do some parenting of this child. Yeah. Santa, that's oh, how this man. should have ended. I and thought Asner I, adopts the boy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, oh. it happened in Up, basically. Well, I always thought Up was like they were friends. It's, I mean, it's not an adoption, adoption, but he is his stand-in grandfather now. Yeah, he's a friend, Pa. But I just think, like, honestly, like there was a point in the movie where I was like, I want like Ed Adner, Ed Asner, and this kid to kill the dad, and then like the two of them just like <laughs> gang up. They kind of get into that territory by the end, but they don't obviously kill him. No. So he sends Billy downstairs to put some fire in the boiler and kick it to start it. Uh, Ed Asner is uh, hiding under like a blanket or something. Like, like, this uh, is where blanket, I literally, like I, all caps block. was like, this is whistle down the wind. <laughs> no. <laughs> Based on the plot you described, this is one, like <laughs> Mr. Lloyd Webber and whomever wrote that original novel. Haley Mills' some- dad. Yeah, they they have some they have some money coming their way. Uh, Although you know what, if Haley, if it 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 does make sense that Disney would take it because it was Haley Mills' dad. Oh, okay. And she was their golden pony for a while, so they're probably like, whatever. What what's the Mills family going to do to Disney? So the kids think he's Santa, or he thinks it's Santa. He runs and gets his sister. They wake up Santa. Ed Astor does a funny wake up where he's like kind of disoriented and mad, which I found very funny. Yeah, it's like me when I wake up from a nap. Mm-hmm. And he needs a crutch, so they get him a cane, and he's he goes to check out this deer that he thinks his money is stashed in in absolute broad daylight in front of Pete. He's dressed as Santa. There's there's also oh, another Santa there, right? I think. Yes, there is. There's a Santa on the throne. There's a whole line of people meeting said Santa, and Ed Asner just like crutches his or, or canes his way over and is like, "Let me take the head off this reindeer in full view of all of these people and the store." 
I mean, at least it wasn't like a, an animatronic reindeer th- situation. Like it wasn't moving. Like kids didn't think it was like a real thing. At least, yeah, that's true. That's true. They, people they did not think he was beheading a live animal right in front of them. That is true. Yeah. So he runs away, and then the kids are like sneaking dinner, like parts of their dinner, into a Ziploc bag to bring yeah. down to Santa. And then they go downstairs to give it to him, and for some reason he is sitting in the dark next to a lamp to do the, like, I'm your mom catching you coming in at 2 a.m. thing. Yes, yeah. The, like, like, why? Snap, snap the light on. Like, I have no idea. Also, do you think they knocked these dinner scenes out in one one success, like, one back-to-back sh- shooting day? Do so you think they just have changed, to, right? like, kept the food on the mm-hmm. table and just changed? Well, the food's different, but it's like, you just swap the food. It's like, you just, like... You already lit that room, right? Like, wouldn't you? It wouldn't make the most Makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. Just get some but craft I, services. I was just chuckling at the idea of like these kids shooting one scene and then quickly, everybody quickly changing and then them doing the same, you know, essentially the same scene again. Yeah, because they're at dinner like two or three times, I think. Yeah, there's no Brussels sprouts at this one. There's like rice and meatloaf, it looks like. Yeah, it's slight sliced meat, vague sliced meat. I think it's a meatloaf situation. It doesn't, it doesn't look like a a full meat. It, it looks like I was thinking Salisbury food. steak. Okay, I'd buy a Salisbury steak, but like a ground beef situation. Yeah. So uh, they're down there talking to Santa, <clears throat> and he's like, "You kids gotta help me, you know, break into this thing or whatever." And then their dad comes down into the, and it's not their basement. We should specify it is the building's basement. The building's basement. Yeah, yeah. And so he, uh, so Ed Asner hides under the 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 blanket the. The woodpile blanket. Yeah, it's like a drop cloth. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like that's a common thing for for woodpiles, mm-hmm. so that they stay dry. Although this is inside, so I don't know why we. Yeah, I don't know either. Leaky pipes, slumlord. But he's like, "What are you kids doing down here?" And they're like, "We're playing." And I'm like, in a dark basement with no toys. Like, are we that sad? Yeah, <laughs> they're playing with some some sticks and coal dust that they're down there. Also, this is this sequence has my only legitimate laugh of the whole movie, where the little girl comes down. She's got a bag with meatloaf in it, or Salisbury steak, and the phone book in the other arm. And she's like, "I'm sorry, I couldn't bring the phone book sooner because I was sitting on it at dinner." That was <laughs> a very I, cute line. It was, I it, the delivery was it was the best delivery this little girl has in the whole movie, and it was just such a hilarious specific reference that I was like, oh man, I've sat on a phone book, and then it got me thinking, is like, what the hell? I guess they have to buy booster seats for all kids. Now. I never, like, I, I never did the phone book. I had the little booster seat. You definitely sat on phone books when we would visit like a grandparents or oh maybe then, but like I, at home I had the blue. It was the, a blue seat with a white like a blue chair part with a white seat part. Then you could raise it and lower it to be like your kid's too tiny and it's growing so the i my read on this was the phone book at the home base was like a their poor thing because the phone book was always the like oh the kid's too short for the table we don't have the booster chair i got an idea here i'll boost them on a phone book gotcha okay I, I, I remember the phone book always being like a you're so, you're not at home and you need to sit down and eat some, you know, whatever it is. So they s- throw a couple phone books down and you hop on the phone books. That was that was my memory of it. But I was it was just funny. It was like, you can't really do that anymore. No, I don't even think there are phone books anymore. When they come, they're like the thickness of a magazine. Yeah. You'd have to just use like some coffee table books. Yeah. If you have those, like it just is more and more of like, you know, what, what the hell do you give people in that situation? I just thought it was very funny. So he uses the phone book to look up his old friend. Um, he goes to, 
this this lady's house who is like it's like Dollar Tree Jane Curtin. <laughs> Jane Curtin. She was on SNL like way back in the day in the seventies in the like uh, the era that Candace Bergen was on. She's she okay. pops up. She, she was also, I think, the was she in any of the holiday episode uh, holiday sketches that we see every year? <sighs> Do you... <sighs> I think she's in the Louds, the one where that's like is she the mom like... in the Louds? Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure. When everyone's what... cocaine thin. Yeah, everyone has cocaine thin, and this sketch has absolutely nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but it's in the Thanksgiving special for reasons I don't quite understand. Like, it doesn't. Exp- there's no reason for it to be, but it's in the Thanksgiving special. Do they not talk about Thanksgiving? Nope. Not that I... Or if they do, it is like a throwaway line in that thing. Like, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? It's like... I think, it's, it, I think it is. I think it's a throwaway line. I think um, Gilda Radner says something about Thanksgiving at one point. I think... It's, it would be like making the argument that Ghostbusters 2 is a Christmas movie because there's like a 30 second montage piece where they have Santa hats on. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I mean, I guess do what you do, but like, I don't quite, fo- I don't think your logic. They got to pad it somehow. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this lady, uh, Dollar Tree Jane Curtin is the, um, the voice of the villainous in the chipmunk adventure. Oh, that's interesting. The, like, Eastern European woman who sends yeah, him on yeah. the adventure with the brother. Okay, okay. Well, she tells Ed Asner that his partner is, like, long gone. She doesn't say he's dead, but he might as well be is sort of the implication. He's in, Isn't he on a beach counting money? Isn't, isn't that what Ed Asner said? He does say that, but then later Ed Asner clearly thinks he's dead because there's that weird dream sequence. I hated that, by the way. We'll get to <laughs> we'll, it, but we'll get to I it. hated we'll get it. So she, she gives off, him... She gives him this old key. It's like a, it looks like something you, you would find in like a sunken ship. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a prop from the Goonies. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a rusty, like, coral covered key. So he's in this, like, in the walls workshop and he can hear all the apartments from here. I, no, I think it's the basement and the basement has a vent and he can hear through oh, the vent. Gotcha. Okay. Cause he hears the, um, the shitty landlord dad calling his son a sissy for wanting Christmas presents. And this was where I was like, Oh, are we, we should just kill him. Right. Like we should just, <laughs> we should just stuff his body up the chimney, put him, put him in the Santa suit, shove oh, him up the chimney, break his neck. Gremlins. And then be like, I don't know where my dad went. Yeah. And then yeah in a yeah. few weeks when it starts to smell, the fireman can break the chimney open and that's how he can learn. There's no Santa Claus. And then we find out that his sister is Phoebe Cates, inexplicably yes. not in the movie. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. that. Yeah, I this I'm in. That's a perfect murder. Mix it with the <laughs> the cash payments and the and the room of vaults. Sure, I'm yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't need the cash payments and stuff if he dies. You just write one check. It goes uncashed, and then it's like January. 12th or 15th, they're like, oh, he hasn't cashed our check. That's weird. And then we went to check on him and we found him in the chimney. Uh, okay. It's a perfect there alibi. Yeah. The, this is the episode they're going to play in court someday. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're like, okay, here's the elaborate murder plan that they concocted for the movie. But I'm sorry, the guy in this movie sucks. He should get murdered. It's the same as the wheelchair man from uh, Wonderful Life. Mr. Potter, yeah. Yeah. He's truly evil. But and the weird part about this is like, Ed Asner start and like to your what you said earlier, like I thought Ed Asner was going to adopt the kid. I could totally see that energy because Ed Asner's 
read on this is like he he does the, like yes sir he replies to him as if it's his own dad yeah I'm just like i'm like look man i don't got time for ed asner to have this kind of backstory where he's like my dad was mean to me and didn't show me love in the appropriate way i guess like i respect that being real for many people but like what are, what is it doing in this movie yeah it did not need it yeah yeah no no and then he hears our protagonist's parents being like, our, we won't have Christmas presents so the kids can have more. I have everything I could ever want, mother. And I'm like, okay, can we tone it? You're still poor and sad. Like, <laughs> you can be appreciative well, of what you have without being like, I don't know. It just felt very like the Waltons. I don't know. I feel like it's good to be this guy. Like, if, you, if you're if you in a situation that sucks, the best thing you can do is try to smile through it as best you can. Like, within reason, of course, here. I'm not being a, a maniac. But when it's like, look, we just won't exchange gifts and we'll use that money for the kids. It's like, the budget's tight. We got to tighten the belt a notch. It's okay. Like, I don't need anything. I, I have a family. Well, and that like, response... It's fine hey, with me. I, we don't need anything. It's better for the kids. Is not, I have everything I could ever want. And then he scoops her into a big sweeping well, romantic I, I think... I think he's trying to make her feel better. I think she feels bad. I think he's trying to be sweet. I, I, I'll give him more slack here than you are willing to, it sounds like. Yeah, I think what we need is the dad in this movie and Mary Steenburgen in One Magic Christmas, because they seem <laughs> on the same wavelength of like, hey, they're going to get a tea set and a chocolate bar. and They're going to be happy about it. I think Mary Steenburgen would also kill this man via her wishes. She would, she would dress him up in Santa. And shove yeah. him up the chimney by herself, she'd, I might she'd add. She'd be like, you're a little too optimistic, crack. Mm-hmm. She would stage a bike crash. Yeah, exactly. That's the perfect the perfect death. He's biking in the snow. He skids. He gets run over by the car. Perfect. Yeah, she like ties him to the bike and like shoves it in front of a car. So the car's like, I hit him. <laughs> she ties him to the bike like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Try to make that trick work. Uh, so Ed cons these kids into helping him steal the money. They're very dumb. Like, yeah, they are. the daughter, the little girl, I can believe she's young enough that like, I can believe that this, the boy is too old to fall for this. Yes, for sure. Cause he basically says someone robbed me and took all the money and I need to look for it. So you need to find me a disguise so that I can go look for all this money. And I was like, yeah, kids come yeah. on. This makes zero sense. What are we talking about? But I really like the, the sequence here because so I had one legitimate laugh with the phone book line and then I had a legitimate chuckle here because so Ed the needle drop. Ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ed starts talking to this lady in line and she's doing like she makes a valid point, but she's clearly like a dickhead. She's talking about like nobody has pride in their work anymore and nobody is like, you know, whatever, which is like extremely eye rolly to me when it's said in the tone this lady is. However, I will say that like. When you do encounter a person who clearly does take pride in their work, no matter what their job is, it is like genuinely like impressive to it's me. It's lovely to see. Yeah. Like I, I was at a bar not too long ago. God, is that a nice sentence that seems like it's not going to be said again for six months. <laughs> but I was I, it was like, you know what? We never get a cocktail. Let's have a cocktail. We sit down at the bar. Bartender's super friendly. He's chatting. There's a fairly sizable list of drinks, so I just I ask if anything's like you know a standout, you know, or I'm between these two things, you know, it's one bit and the other. 
makes a really nice drink. It's like, you know what? Let's have another one. And then I start talking to the guy and there was like a different kind of fancy cherries behind the bar that I'd never seen before. And he's just like, gave me one on a toothpick. Were they the, just, were they the ones in the, in the, the white ceramic jar? Yes. Yes. It looks like ceramic, but they were really good. And I was like, man, that's delicious. And I looked them up and then the, the very inexpensive device is like, you know, I bought a jar. Uh, they're, of in, they're in um, uh, Atlantic liquors in Rehoboth. Okay, well, I bought a jar because I was so impressed. But this bartender was, like, so nice. And he was, like, he really, you know, shakes the shake. And he was putting on a little bit of a show, right? Like, he's, you know, shaking stuff and yeah. stirring stuff. And it's, like, this dude enjoys the thing that he's doing. And that's so pleasant to be around, you know? So it's, like, it's cool to feel that and talk about that in, like, relation to a specific person doing a good job. What this lady does is the opposite thing, which is, like, the boomer nonsense of, like, Everybody just wants a handout, and nobody wants to work hard anymore. And I'm just like, ugh. Like, go, go play away. in traffic, lady. Yeah, yeah. I got a Santa suit just your size, lady. Exactly. We'll put you in the chimney. That's my. That's going to be my new go play in traffic. I got a Santa suit just your size. We'll put you up the chimney. But I, like, <laughs> they're, they're talking, and the Ed has this key, and he, like, catches the keyhole out of the corner's eye and does like a head whip and they do a needle drop of the hallelujah chorus from um it was so dumb <laughs> but it, it like it i 100 agree but it was so dumb that i chuckled like it was so yeah it was it was it was it's it was so shocking from <sighs> is it hondo beethoven it might be Handel. I don't know. I know that it's the Hallelujah Chorus. And I think people out there know exactly what you say. Yeah. It's like the the thing that they use in movies and TV with like a light shines on a thing. And hallelujah. But yeah, Christmas. Uh, Most, a lot of Christmas. In uh, Christmas Vacation, too. They do it in Christmas Vacation. But it's also like in Die Hard when they, you know. Uh, it don't is? They do, is it? Oh, you know what? It's No, it's a different Beethoven track when they bust the thing open. It's that. It, never mind. It, never mind. I was incorrect. It's not in Die Hard. Um Anyway, that's all I'll say is, like, this is something they do in, like, kids' movies and cartoons and bad comedies, but it was so cliche and caught me so much surprise. And also the way Ed Asner does, like, a double take, like, whip to it. Really, I don't I know, I just wasn't I, expecting I a needle drop in this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I chuckled. Yeah. Well, there was another. There, the crystals were earlier. That's a needle drop. But I wouldn't. No, this is, like, <laughs> full-on needle drop okay. drop. This, this, is where, this is where I wrote this movie is super boring. Yeah. Yeah, they go to buy a Christmas tree. It's like three days before Christmas. They're buying a Christmas tree. like, And I, I texted our parents because I had a note. I was like, so we, we we were a real tree family for a while. And then we realized, like, why is everybody in our family miserable at Christmas with allergies and stuff? Like, oh, you're all allergic to fir trees. Oops. Yeah. So, like, we no longer were real tree people. But I was like, I swear it was like two to three weeks before Christmas. And it was. Both of our, both of our parents confirmed that. So it's like, what the hell well, are you I doing? Well, I think I want to say... Maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought mom said at one point that they would go to bed on Christmas with an, like a naked yes. tree and yep. then wake up Christmas morning to a fully decorated tree, which just like, why? <laughs> so much work. Yeah, I, I, I've always been a person. But also like kind- to me, like the tree is a part of my house. At Christ- right. Like, it's, I turn it on just to have it on. So it's like lit and I'm like, oh, this is warm and cozy. Yeah, I, I have always been a person who's like, ugh, big separation between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I still kind of feel that way. Nah. But last year put it up on Daylight Savings Day and having like the lit up, well, you know, nice, pretty look at Christmas tree on the day when it gets dark at 4.15 p.m. for no reason at all. I was like, oh, this is kind of lovely. <laughs> like this, this helps. This sucks yeah. and this helps. I, mean, I usually do it a week or two after Halloween. 
Yeah, it's about the same time frame, I think. Yeah. It was the first weekend of November this year. But so we did it again because it was just like, I don't know, man. It sucks when it's dark at 415. I kind of like, well, yeah, daylight savings is the worst. Plus, it's a big pain in the ass. You got to get it out from wherever you store it and get all the ornaments out and unpack them and do it. And it's like, this is a big pain in the butt. I'd, I'd like to get more than, you know, five five days worth of this. Well, not uh, I don't think a lo- everybody does the ornament repacking the way our family does. Well, sure, but then you know you don't. If you want them to last, you got to be careful. I agree, because I've I've helped people decorate their trees, and I'm like, you don't have boxes. Like this is just like just loose a, in a box, just a, just a loose bag of glass. Yeah, this is bag of glass. Everything is broken. Uh, anyway, the the mean kid uh, falls into the basement, and Ed Asner is like wants to All be right. alone with him. Yes, yes, which is really upsetting. What I said before, old man wants to be alone with young guy in a basement. Very different video. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> but he like tells him about his dad and then he, he does this really good con artist move where he has him like draw cards from a deck and he tells him what they mean. It's like he does like a tarot reading with the standard deck of cards. Yes. Which you can do, I think. Well, I mean, it's just cold. Like, no offense intended, but it's like largely just cold reading, which is like all those things. And he just does these cold reading techniques. He's like, well, this is not really cold. I guess it's more of a hot reading since he heard the kid. And he his heard dad. that. Yeah. So that's not when a cold he stacked reading. the deck to pull out yeah. queens and kings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a hot. It's not cold reading. It's a hot reading. But he's just like, ah, you pulled a queen. Could that be because you wish you had a mother? Oh, you pulled a king. Mm-hmm. Could it be because you wish you had a better father? And this is like, oh, you got this kid wrapped up pretty neatly. Uh-huh. Uh, so they come up with a plan to, like, the kid, the boy, the protagonist boy is going to use the key to open the Santa throne, but his little sister has to stay lookout and whistle. But, like, mm-hmm. no one thought to check if she could whistle. Neither of the other kids can whistle. And I'm like, okay. Well, no, th- to be fair, the one kid was chewing crackers. His mouth was dry. Yeah, he's eating popcorn or something. But, it's like, if... <sighs> this is why you can't leave planning to little children. No. This, like, the 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 signal should be, It's Santa! Everybody, look! It's Santa! You know? Do uh-huh, something like yeah. that. Uh, and then the protagonist boy drops the key down the grate. So stupid. And I was like, oh, man, is this now going to be, like, how do we get the key back? And we're, like, in the sewers? No, we just, nope. like, forget just the say key fuck entirely. It. Yeah, it's, like, new plan. I thought the key was important. Yes. The movie makes the key out to be this ultimate answer to the, all the problems. And they literally throw it in a sewer, a sewer and take it and just it leaves the movie. And then there is a gang of children who believe that Santa is Santa, just yeah. like in Whistle Down the Wind. Yes, a gang yes. of children shows up. And this movie is only half over at this point, yeah. and I'm I paused, dying inside. <laughs> I paused at this point, and I was like, surely we're in the final 20 here. No, no, we got a good 48 minutes left. Don't worry. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is like the last just under half hour, right? No. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so we get um, the my favorite thing, sad poor kids making practical Christmas wishes. <laughs> oh, man, it sucks so much. It's such a. It's such just a so thing. cheap. It's so cheap yeah, to get like yeah. get a kid put put a kid in a in a sweater with holes in it and rub some dirt on his face and have him uh-huh. go. For Christmas, I wish that my parents didn't have to get evicted. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, if it's a Santa is real movie, it's one thing. But this movie flirts with being a Santa is real movie at the very end, which is very very annoying. Yeah, it's weird. 
It's like the only, as we said, the only way you can do a Santa is real movie is if Santa is real from the jump and then like something goes awry and people are like, we have to rescue Santa. Santa gets kidnapped or the bad guys do something or something along Noel, the way. Noel, Santa goes yeah. to a yoga retreat. Right. It's like, that is fine. Like if it's just like everyone knows Santa is real, but Noel falls into the same trap because stupid, uh, uh, d- uh, Detective Ad- Adrian Grenier slash Barack Obama guy is like <laughs> is like oh yeah I mean, well, yeah you're Santa all right and it's like no he's real he gives people gifts everybody gets gifts from Santa this is stupid what are we doing <laughs> uh, so the cops figure out that the cane that Santa was using belongs to the protagonist family yes uh, and th- that promptly goes nowhere. Well, Ed Ezra, not Ezra, uh, Fred Gwynn, like, they go around and they're, like, asking people questions. And and what this, this, like, sad Fred Gwynn is so... I miss a home-cooked meal? Yes, he sounds so sad. He's like, I remember what that food used to taste like before I only... He doesn't say this, but he's like, before I only ate it out of vending machines and fast food wrappers. Yeah, like, I feel like Fred Gwynn should be living in a motel or out of his office. Yes. Like, his wife kicked him out already. Yes, Fred Gwynn should be a sad divorce. He has sad divorce guy energy. Very that. Oh, so at this point, we cut down to the basement, and I was like, oh, of course we're doing a patent riff. This is one of those things that, like, I think about this stuff a lot. The cartoons that we watched as children had a very specific set of reference points that became things that we were vaguely aware of without knowing what they were. It's like, how many times did you see a cartoon where they did a Patton riff and you had no idea what Patton was? What's a Patton rift? So the the very famous scene in the movie Patton is um, George C. Scott as Patton standing in front of a giant American flag in like full military regalia. And he's like strolling, he's marching back and forth and giving his big speech. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you've never seen Patton. You don't even know what Patton is, but you, I described a scene that's very exactly famous from about. Patton. And yeah, yeah. This, he's doing Patton. We're even doing the song from Patton. He's just marching in front. Of, there's no Christmas, there's no American flag or Christmas tree, but he's just doing Patton here. And I'm like, why is this such a ubiquitous reference in children's entertainment between 85 and 95? I don't know. It's so weird. Because I'm picturing like um, like Bugs Bunny doing this. Yep. The Animaniacs 100% did this. Like, I guarantee mm-hmm. it. You know, it's just like I, there's probably a Rugrats patent riff that I don't oh, remember. Oh, 100%. And it's just like, why why, why was this so ubiquitous in children's programming? No wonder we all have weird, fucked up brains. It's just like, oh, yes, <laughs> a patent reference. The very topical, timely thing for a child show. Uh, we also kill the ratty dog i could not believe we did a dead dog in this movie like obviously we joked about how dead looking that dog was already but holy shit man so the dog dies and then all the kids are like you lied to me santa and i'm like about what like what did santa promise i don't remember santa promising the dog was gonna live forever i there was something with the dog that he told the mean kid and I, I missed it. Like, I don't remember what it was because I think it was in the parade of children's wishes. So he must've mm. wished that like the dad would let him keep the dog or something like that. Gotcha. I don't know, obviously, but yeah, yeah the dead dog is buck wild. This is it's crazy. Honestly, more shocking to me than the dead dog and Turner and Hooch. Yes, it is. And then an even rattier dog shows up at the end Yes. Spoiler alert. And I was like, well, what? Where did this one come from? This that one dead is at in least, two weeks. That one is at least a youth, more youthful looking ratty dog. It might have a year. It is. It might, yeah, it's got a year. Uh, so the kids 
So so there's this, the throne, and then apparently next to the throne outside is this, like, riddle about Christmas or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a hundred years, no one's ever thought about it or tried to solve it, I guess. Right, right. Which is just completely ludicrous. This is so, also the point in the movie where I start going, like, wait, all right. So it's been at least three nights since he escaped from prison, right? Maybe yeah. more. This man has not showered. You don't get to shower every day in prison. So it's it's possible it's been closer to, like you know, maybe eight days that since this man has showered, he would be the smelliest. He's in this stolen Santa suit that he was literally sprinting from the police in. What are we doing yeah. here? It'd be gross. Yeah. So the kids get trapped in the throne somehow, <clears throat> and then the throne gets wheeled into Macy's for the night. Well, they sne- They purposely get trapped in the throne, I think. That was like a plan. Got it. Okay. Yeah. They do a uh, a Trojan throne. Yes, exactly. And they got all the other, like, urchin children to, like, sing Christmas carols to distract the guards or something. Yep. This guard should have been played by Dick Miller, by the way. I was really disappointed. Exactly. Like, this is a Dick Miller part, if ever there was one. Yeah, you kids get out of here. He, I, I could see Dick Miller tolerating, like, one song and then being like, all right, time to go. Yeah, well, at the end, the, the security guard does say you kids get out of here. Yeah. So the other problem is that, like, we did not get, like... There was no scene of an establishing shot of this riddle or the kids reading the riddle very clearly top to bottom. Nope. They need to read it out loud. So we get like six disparate couplets of like, when the, when the moon is high, grab the bullseye or something stupid like that. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't solve this mystery. I just have to watch this child fumble through it. Right. Really frustrating. Also, they wheel this 15-foot-high throat inside on a, on a dolly or cart of some type, and then they go to, like, cover it up for protection, and they throw, like, half of a hotel washcloth on top of it, and they're like, good enough. They cover yeah. nothing. Like, that, that, you need to cover the fabric, buddy. That fabric's to, gonna fade. Why is there not a big tarp that goes over this thing? Or a custom-shaped, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, cover. So this is where Fred Gwynn finally makes it home and immediately gets called back out into the field. Him coming in, the, he, like, you know, we talk about, you know, little part, you know, little things and, and being really, you know, impressive for actors. No shock to anybody listening to this podcast that Fred Gwynn is a good actor. He's great. But he, yeah. him opening the door with an armload of presents, the phone rings in the other room, the kids come down, dad, dad, thump, 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 thump down the stairs. And then the wife coming in, holding the phone and like in both hands, like the cradle and the receiver, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. You watch him go like, "Oh God, it's work!" And like he slowly drops the presents before he even gets the phone. It's really great stuff, man. It's Just like, like it, it reminds me of like a, a Chevy Chaseism from like yes, yeah, vacation. Yeah. Totally, totally. It's just a great little performance piece. It's like, yeah, like I said, Fred Gwynn is not acting in the same movie as Ed Asner because it's just like he's in a small tragedy that's playing yeah, out. Yeah, he's the in Death of, of a Salesman. Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a Willie Loman. The kids take forever to solve the riddle, and they solve it, and it's not satisfying to watch because I don't understand the riddle. Right, and you haven't seen the throne well enough to get... It's like, the bullseye, the bullseye, and I was like, kid, you should be looking for, like, a target on this thing, and then he does yeah. do that. And it's like, I didn't feel particularly good about that observation when I was like, okay, well, it's not the bullseye, literally. Also, why would you make a throne where one arm was a bull and one arm was an elf? That makes no sense. Like with, This, this would, throne is ugly. Wouldn't it be a reindeer? It's a Santa yes. thing. So the kids take these bags of money and they run them over to Santa. And I'm like, you didn't look inside. 
I will say it is kind of cool when they like hit the button and the, there's this like Rube Goldbergy contraption that opens up and that is cool. It's cool looking. It doesn't make any sense in the movie. It's like it's the thing. It's like a Goonies thing, you know, that, that has been hit. Like it should have been that that Ed Asner made this throne. Yes, exactly. That's what it should have been. He made it, and he has to like relay to the kids how to open it. Yes, yes. Like hey. You look for this. And so it should have been like him being like, write this down. You're going to find the elf and then you're going to go around the corner and push on the the butterfly or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Dumb. But so these kids don't look at how much money they just took out of this It's a huge bag. It's like, like there should be bills falling out of it and fluttering to the ground as he, as he like tiptoes like a burglar. It's about the size of a standard kitchen trash bag. It is. And at this point, there are 25 minutes left. It's so crazy. I could not believe that there was that much movie at this point. God. And then the dumbest, worst part of the movie is next. Ed Asner takes the money and runs and gets on a ghost train that tries to teach him lessons. This is We've got a magic ghost train now. Yeah, this is completely insane. So it's all of a sudden a Christmas carol where it hasn't really been a Christmas carol this whole time. Right, but it's weird because it's like they give him the Ebenezer Scrooge thing, but there's already a Scrooge character in this, so it's like Ed has to learn the lesson and then subsequently teach it to a second person in order for the movie to land. And then dominate an older man in another kind of internet video. Yes, yes. Like, it's so, because he's getting like glimpses of the dog grave and like Mm -hmm. a skeleton man on the train, and I was like, what are we doing? This, This movie has been some semblance of realistic thus far like it's been right. like christmas movie realism right right things are goofy like, but like yeah it's a real world i will say one i think the design of this train is super cool like i, I it thought cool. it looked cool as hell it, it reminded me of something out of like uh, like the dystopian beginning of joe versus the volcano or something but mm-hmm. it was like great like you could make a great sci-fi movie with this train design i think it's called snowpiercer Yes, but the Snowpiercer train is kind of like sleek, and this is oh, okay. like a, like a murder train, which I think is is just a different type of sci-fi movie. I liked Snowpiercer, um, but the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and I said before, this movie checks like a couple of children's cliche boxes. The first being the guy jumping up and down in his underwear when he got his clothes stolen, but the second is for some reason, all the examples I can think of, and I'm sure there are some that are not this, but children's movies love for bad guy duos to be one tall skinny one short fat and ed mm-hmm. hasner is the short fat and next to him he meets his partner on this train who he i guess he thinks is dead tall skinny and then they're like fighting they're not physically fighting but you know arguing and tall skinny is like waving his arms about and makes ed asner look even more small fat and i was just like why is this such a standard for children's program horace and jasper in right? 101 dalmatians and any other mm-hmm. cruella thing Harry and uh, Marv and Harry and Marv. Yep, there are others, of course, but it's just like the the big ones that come to mind immediately. I'm like, oh man, like always tall, skinny, and short, fat. Mm-hmm. Timon and Pumbaa, sort Timon of the Pumbaa. same vibe. Not not they're like, they're they're tall and fat and short and skinny. They yeah. they flip the script a little bit, but it's the same general essence. It must be like we're Laurel and Hardy tall, Cogsworth tall, and Lumiere like, also Cogsworth Lumiere. Yeah, uh, we're we're Laurel and Hardy short, fat, and tall, skinny. Or like one know. of those old. Oh, I just. Or Abbott and Costello. Know. Yeah, exactly. Like I know, I know one of those fellas. One of those four fellas was a big man for sure. So I wonder if yeah, that's I like what so. it is. So uh, this is back when TV used to end. Uh, the landlord's TV <laughs> is over. Yes. And then 
Santa fully like BDSM dominates him and he's like, say my name. And I'm like, what is happening? I I also liked I I am backtracking slightly, but you you mentioned this offhand, but like the dead dog. It's not just that Santa sees the dog; it's the dead. grave. He sees a shallow grave mound of dirt with a handwritten sign for the dog that says you know, his name is Spider, and then the boy who the mean boy sitting there crying. <laughs> it's just like what have we it turned? It feels this very movie Christmas into? story, like in those weird oh yeah those yeah, like yeah. weirdo um. The dream sequences. Dream sequences. There was a word I was trying, an adjective I was trying to think, but I can't remember. Uh, so he, you know, teaches landlord a lesson, and then the bully, I guess, turned in Santa Claus. Yeah, it's it, it, this kid Not is like clear. A, he he apparently showed up at the police station with a dead dog in his arms and turned in the thing. But I also I I had missed this in writing down the notes and I wanted to say it because I thought this was accurate and that you would appreciate it. The train part is like we fell into a Freddy Krueger movie. It is no, you know what it is? It's fucking Willy Wonka. Sure, yeah, yeah. How yeah. like randomly in the middle, it's like, what if we watched a chicken get its head cut off? And it's and, just absolute and, terror and bugs in the mouth. Like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just it has a real Freddy energy is like it's dream logic and he can't he's like mm-hmm. trying to run away and like the, the ground stretches in, infinitely and stuff. It's just very strange. Toothpaste stairs. Yes. Yes. Um, so the bully turns Santa in and then the cops arrest Santa publicly in front of all these children with like 12 cop cars. It's like, again, I know this man has escaped from prison. I understand that like heightened and stuff. My assumption is he didn't commit a violent crime to begin with, and he has yet to commit a violent crime now. Like, do we really, is this really necessary? And then there's a shot, like a low angle shot of all the kids like in a line crying mm-hmm, watching mm-hmm. Santa. And it reminds me of that scene in Nightmare Before Christmas, like right after Jack gets shot down and the police go through the, the town being like, there's still no sign of Santa Claus. Christmas yes. is canceled. Yes, and it's yes. just this like low shot of all the different kids crying. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it's very same energy, for sure. Tim Burton must have loved this movie, or not. Uh, Selleck. Although Selleck, Tim Burton yeah. was the key player. Yeah. I just remember one time playing bar trivia, and it was like a list of films, and you had to pick the one that wasn't directed by Tim Burton, and I put down that one, and the guy was like, he marked it wrong, and I was like, Tim Burton didn't direct that movie. And he was like, yeah, he did, and I was like, I, he I, did not. Bet, I would literally bet any amount of money, like, Tim Burton did not direct that movie, and it was like, yo, okay, buddy, and I was like, can you please Google it? I'll stand here. And he did, and I was like, okay, so my answer's right then. Thank you very much. Yes, dum dumb. It's like, we're running a trivia contest. I'm sorry, but it is my right to be pedantic. <laughs> That's the point. It's trivia. Uh, And so here at the end, uh, they're going to shoehorn in the Christmas star with no earned explanation. Yeah. Also, we we glossed over this, but I do really, I want you to just for a second, go back to Ed Asner kicking in the man's door, waking him up and being the one he's like, do you know who I am? You're Santa Claus. I'm sorry. There's no amount of whiskey or drugs. No, it's not that. He he says, you've been a very bad boy. Yes, yes. It is sexual. Yes, yes. You are 100% correct. It is, as the Backstreet Boys would say, sexual. But more importantly, (laughs) it is a grown man who's like, well, Santa's real and I saw him, so I'm going to change my life. Which, like, I'm sorry. I mean, in any video I've watched of that scenario, they just accept it, so... (laughs) 
It's just like I would need a lot more proof if Santa were to like show up and be like, actually, I've been real this whole time. I'd be like, well, I have a lot of. I mean, in, in those videos, normally Santa would just unzip his pants for the proof. <laughs> so careful That's what, what you wish saying. for at Christmas. That's if I if, a, if Santa appeared, and was like, I've been real this whole time. Ho, ho, ho. I would be like, cool, sit down, because you and I are going to have a long conversation about the fact that I'm. certain that every gift I've ever received, I knew who bought it for me, and it was never you. So let's talk. What do you have to tell me? So the police car gets, like, stopped by the Christmas star at the end, and it, like, rains light on it. It's weird. So, like, first Billy goes, like, running up to the car, and he throws the Christmas list that the kids asked for to Fred Gwynn, and Fred Gwynn tucks it into his chest. And then when we, like... We see the Christmas star and we see the car driving and clearly Ed Asner like asked to pull over or something, but he's like looking and the light is like hitting his chest, like where the list is. I thought maybe I'm over. I have no idea, but it's like Fred Gwynn at that point is like, wow, this is real. And I thought this was going to lead to Fred Gwynn letting him go. I did too. I think because the the car just stops. and I was like, oh, they're going to be like, you get out of here, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I never want to see you again. You're in a different state now. Just get out of here. Instead, all the Christmas wishes come true somehow. Yeah. And then they all collectively own the building now. Include Well, the Christmas wishes come true, including the fact that the little girl wished for it to snow for her dad. Weird. And Weird. It, was, it was like, oh, so Santa controls the weather. Got it. Got it. And then the funny thing I was, mean, in, I, that, in the DCOM, the ultimate Christmas present, Santa uh, does control the weather. Well, that's starring Hayden Panettiere and Brenda Song. That was I was going to say when I when this movie ended on Disney Plus, the next thing that came up was, was something mine too. Was that movie from 2000. And I was like, I don't remember this one. And I was like, it's, it's definitely cute. 2000 is like for sure the borderlands of me watching Disney Channel original movies, even though I obviously did not have better things to do. (laughs) I watched other movies, but it was just like, huh, that's a weird twist that Santa controls the weather. It's a cute one. I haven't watched it in a minute, but it's just it was California gets snow. Yeah, that was. And then it like wreaks havoc kind of thing. Yeah, there's There's one where Brian Cranston controls time. Oh, really? Yeah, he like huh. so Santa's the way Santa works is that he like freezes time. That's how we can like oh, go everywhere he, and okay, like okay. put presents down. And Brian Cranston's like a dirtbag uncle, and so hmm. he gets the power to do it. And he so he's like going around like a fancy dinner par- like black tie party eating like sh- shrimp while everyone's frozen. <laughs> I like that the Disney Channel version is like he eats a lot of shrimp and not well, he robs everyone blind and gropes. No, he the does women. do that too. He's he's a bad guy, so he, oh, he is okay. doing that too. But it's not a big scale. He also at one point I remember because I was it was very scandalous for Disney Channel. He like he like walks I'm dying up to know what this is. It, it is a li- like for Disney Channel, yeah. So he like walks up to a frozen like waiter pouring champagne into a glass uh-huh. of a woman and because it's it's frozen it's like a solid it's like they got the prop that's like the solid uh-huh. thing uh-huh. and he grabs the champagne bottle and lifts it like pulls it out of the glass so the whole like what has been poured is a solid piece and uh-huh. puts it in her boobs what? and then walks away yeah i mean are you maybe sure I'm, this isn't mandela effect I would have to rewatch the movie, but like I'm ninety nine percent sure that's a thing that happened. There's okay, here's here let me guess. He like makes it spill on the lady and it's like hits her in the chest. There's no, no so way it's, he puts it's it in solid. Her it, it's not moving. Right, but I'm saying if he like put that on her shoulder or like her chest but not her breasts, and then when he unfroze time it would splash all over her. So I don't think we ever saw them unfreeze time in this part. Okay. 
I'll have to rewatch this one. You're gonna have to figure out. This is our. This is now our homework for this evening because there's no fucking way he puts it in a woman's cleavage in a Disney Channel original movie. There's no way. There's no way. Brian Cranston. You never know. I think it's Brian Cranston. I'm pretty sure it's Brian Cranston. (laughs) I hope it's Brian Cranston. That's what made it interesting. I'll I'll scroll through. I'll scrub through the movie tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a screenshot. They don't let you on Disney Plus. Well, you could take a picture with your phone. Oh, so okay, but then I, okay, so scroll on the computer and picture with the phone. Well, I uh, thought you'd put this out on your TV and then you would just take a picture. No, I was just going to scrub with my finger on my phone. I see. How do they they prevent you from taking a screenshot with your phone screenshot function? Hulu does it. Um, Netflix does it. If you if you take a screenshot of a video of like a Netflix or thing, it's just a black screen. Huh. I don't know how they do it, but stupid. It's very stupid. I'm like, what am I going to do with I mean, I'm gonna I make watch, a meme. I don't watch things on my phone because I'm an old man, so I, it doesn't directly affect me. But that is stupid. So I really liked that because it's a Disney Channel movie. The dad, or Disney movie rather, the dad uh, when the, it's snowing on Christmas, he says, "Jumping Jiminy Cricket." Yeah, it's cute. Uh, so he gets a white Christmas. The, they all own the building, so they well, can feel free to kill the landlord whenever Ed, they want. Ed Asner used the stolen money to buy everyone's apartments. Which is problem. It's sweet. nice. It is very sweet. But then it's like, now you all own condos in a building that sucks. <laughs> Congratulations. You killed the like, landlord and used that like, money to fix the place up. I feel like it would have been much nicer if Ed Asner just gave everyone money. Probably. But, you know. So Christmas wrap up. Everyone gets their Christmas wish. And then uh, season's greetings from the Disney family. No, I'm sorry. This is against the law. Movie law is explicit in this instance. When a very famous movie does a thing, you can do a spoof. You can do a bit. You can riff on it. But it is absolutely illegal for you in your shittier movie to just do a scene from a better movie. I'm sorry. They have oh, the, they, this. the oh, uh, Hark the Herald. Angels. Yes, you can't just fucking do Hark the Herald Angels Sing because you're doing a bad Christmas movie. I'm sorry, Frank Hark Capra the Angel owns Herald that. Sings. Peace on Earth and Salsa Mild. <laughs> okay, you are. That is really not comfortable in my brain. I was like, <laughs> are you having a stroke? What's <laughs> happening? No, Hark the Angel Herald Sings. Peace on Earth and Salsa Mild. Okay, stop this. Stop this madness. I want to get off. <laughs> Frank Capra owns that. I'm sorry. It's his. You can't have it. You're not allowed to just end your movie by having I was like, I swear to Christ, if they go into Auld Lang Syne, I'm going to scream. Right. So uh, Dollar Tree, Dane Curtin got a dress inexplicably. From Santa. Right. Or I know, from Ed Asner. I don't remember the part in the movie where she was like, I want a silk dress. So she said, I don't have a ball gown to answer the door in. Oh, okay. Or I don't have an evening gown, evening dress to answer the door, something like that. Ah, uh, okay. So Ed's back in prison, but he seems fine with it. I hope they didn't tack too much time onto his sentence because he was almost out. Right. Gwyn comes home to his family and they're all like, Daddy, we left you milk and cookies, which is insane. Like, you're right. It should be an empty. It should, it should be like a single sad suitcase in the in the foyer. In the middle of the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they, the mean kid and the mean dad seem to make up, which feels completely unearned. Like in a movie unearned. Where, in a movie where nothing has been earned, this is really unearned. Yeah. And, 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 with and a, they do that a lot in these kind of movies where it's like, yeah. son, I'm sorry. And it's like, I was wrong. Uh, I don't think I'm sorry covers how many years of abuse right. and I mean, trauma. It's, it's like, okay, I'll give you I'll give you that you're opening the door to a better future and I will be I will step through this threshold with you, but I am I am leaving my hand on the handle. 
Yes. I have I have the thing that the cord around my waist and I yeah. will get pulled out of here the second you fuck up again. <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein has a firm grasp on this rope. <laughs> Ooh, child, your dad's not really better. He hasn't gone to enough therapy. This is like a the clarity that comes after your first session, child. Don't get fooled. Don't let him <laughs> trick you with his tricks. And then we end with like there's an uh, then we're singing the song in the prison and Ed Asner's leading the the thing like a conductor with the Santa suit on. Is he like standing on something too? Yeah, he probably. On bus? I mean, he's a short man. I think he's on like an apple cart. They're inside. Oh, okay. Apple box, not apple cart. And then it's and then freeze like a it like pulls back and back and back and back to this you know it looks like foggy old London town in matte painting, but it's obviously not London. And then it's like yeah, Mary Poppins is about to just be like it seems like it. Bert's Bert's like dancing on the rooftop in the background. And season's greetings from your friends at the Disney Company, which I was just like. So, so season's greetings from the Disney family. The Disney family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Very, very strange to do that. Um, but yeah, that that is the uh, the Christmas star. Not shining so bright. No. I There's like worse things out there but this is a real nothing pile like if you it's something that i would put on in the background of like a a, a, if i was having like a holiday party and i just wanted something with like christmas visuals yeah maybe yeah there's better options for that too yeah exactly yeah like i i I don't there's nothing here like there's there's a few parts that i found amusing and i enjoyed talking about this movie but it's like it's it's a weird mishmash of many better things and it mostly is doesn't achieve anything uh, but there's like mm-hmm. a, there's a couple of moments that are funny. The girl with the phone book, I did genuine laugh. That was cute, but it's too long. I, I will say, I agree. Like it should be a 45 minute special. But I will say, in terms of production, the quality of the production is way higher than you would expect for something. Like imagine this is quite low budget. It's clearly like a backlot somewhere that they had the city streets for. Is my guess. Disney's um, Hollywood Studios. Yeah, it could. It certainly could have been. Honestly, I. Oh no. No, because they would have marketed that better. It's it's too early for that. Uh, that part didn't open to the late eighties, so or, or like yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, no, so it's eighty nine. Okay, I was gonna say I knew it was late eighties or ninety at the latest because Universal opened in nineteen ninety and they beat them to opening. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just ugh, it's just it's not very exciting. <laughs> but no, Ed Asner's pretty good in it, and I liked Fred Gwynn quite a bit in the it. The first so time like, of many he would play Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, including Elf. Yeah, I forgot he was Santa and Elf. And like 40 of those Hallmark productions, from my understanding. Yeah. Or, or Hallmark-esque productions. But yeah, I, there's not a lot here, uh, in my opinion. So this is a step, no. I think. But fun conversation. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want more from the show, especially Christmas content, head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. The uh, Christmas Terry is actually a Christmas thing this year. That'll be dropping yeah. on Christmas Day for everybody who supports the show on Patreon. And folks at the $5 tier just got our bonus Footloose episode. We're approaching 20 hours of bonus content at the $5 level. And we're about halfway to the uh, permanent uh, episode each month at the $5 level. So we're about halfway to that. It currently shows that we're yeah. over it, but that's because uh, one of our longtime listeners has jumped on the $88 tier temporarily. So that will be going back down later. Um, so we're not, we're not going to start that until it actually is over that threshold, but we're close. We're getting ever closer. So if you're interested in more sh- from this show, head over to patreoncom slash dissect the eighties and see if there's a uh, membership tier that works for you. 
Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. It's Dissecting the 80s. On Twitter, it's at Dissect the 80s. Don't forget to check us out there. And, uh, you know, we always like to hear from you. If you want to write us an email, it's dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. On that matter, we would love to get a Christmas gift from you, and that would be you reviewing this show if you have not done that yet. Spotify just opened reviews, and you don't even have to write anything on there, so you can just click five stars, which would be nice. But if you do review us uh, somewhere where you write a review, take a screenshot, send it to the email, and we'll, we'll read it on the air. We read them from iTunes because those get sent to us, but nowhere else does that. So if you do review the show, uh, send it to us, and we'll read it on the air. Thank you so much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until 2022. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.